Well, hello, welcome to Seacoast Church. Uh, glad to have you guys here. I'm excited to be with you guys this weekend. My name is Josh Surratt. Uh, and if I haven't met you, I am just really glad to be with you. I'm one of the teaching pastors, and uh, we're finishing up a series called Finding and Keeping the Love of Your Life. It's going to be fun. We're going to do Q&A today, and so you guys are going to be a part of the service. So depending on how you do with questions is how the message is going to go, basically. So that's, that's what we have to look forward to. You may be wondering, where's Greg? Uh, Greg, normally when he's not here, he's out at an ARC church preaching or encouraging ARC leaders. And uh, this week, he had a cool opportunity. I want to share it with you. One of the men who is an assistant coach at the, with the Indianapolis Colts, uh, is also a friend of Seacoast. He's come and spoke at men's nights, and he invited my dad, Greg, to go to the Colts-Broncos game tomorrow night, not only to go attend it, but to do the chaplain, be the chaplain for the Colts at the game. And so that's kind of a cool opportunity for our pastor. Be praying for him because we don't want the Broncos to beat up too badly on the Colts after he does the chapel because that would reflect poorly on him and his ability to hear God. And so... But it's, it's going, to be, going to be a great, great weekend. If, uh, if, if you're new to Seacoast, we've been doing this series called Finding and Keeping the Love of Your Life. And how many of you would agree that both finding the love of your life and keeping the love, love of your life brings their own set of challenges, right? I mean, lo- opportunities to, for growth. And so what we wanted to do in this series, we've talked a couple of weeks about singleness and dating. And last week, Pastor Jimmy Evans came and talked to us about marriage. And we wanted to save the last week for your questions. And so we're going to take questions from you. We've got a panel. Uh, before we do that, I want to lay down a couple of ground rules. One, uh, if you have questions, we need you to text those into us. There's a number, I believe, that's on our screens. If you could text your questions to 843-375-6035, that would be awesome. And, and whether you're joining us here at the Long Point campus, whether you're at one of our off-site campuses, maybe James Island or Somerville, we're glad you guys are with us as well, or on the internet, everybody can participate in this. And so you text your questions in, we're gonna answer them. We have a few questions that you've been sending in over the last couple of weeks uh, through our Facebook page, and so we've got a couple of them that we're gonna look at, uh, but we're also gonna answer several of them that we are not gonna see until they show up on the screen. And so it's gonna be fun. Uh, One of the ground rules, though, is we're gonna do our best to answer out of God's word. And so if, if the Bible speaks to a topic, then we're gonna hear from God's word on that topic. If, if the Bible doesn't speak about it, if it's, it's a gray area in scripture, then we'll do our best to let you know this is our opinion, this isn't what God says. And so it's gonna be fun. Uh, one thing that I would ask of you though, uh, first of all, if you have kids in the room, uh, that based on your questions, and some of you may have uh, more edgy questions, it may be PG-13 this weekend. And so uh, we just want you to be warned here at the Long Point campus and at our other campuses that uh, if you have children that are too young, you don't want them to hear your discretion, parents, uh, to take them out of the room and to one of our children's ministry environments at any of our campuses. So the foundational verse, though, before we get into any of your questions, I want to read sort of the verse that I feel like is foundational for, for today's message. And it comes out of James chapter one, verses five through eight. It says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. You know, many of us are familiar with that scripture and I I usually stop there. Like if you need wisdom, ask God, he'll give it to you. Great verse. Here's the deal, it continues though. And this is what I want us to pay attention to. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to hear anything or receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. So Seacoast, let's not listen for what we want to hear. 
Let's not listen for the answer that we kind of already believe is right. Let's listen to what God has to say. If God speaks on something, let's be undivided in our loyalty. It says if we're kind of divided in our loyalty, if, we're just, if we just have ears to hear what we wanna hear, then it says we shouldn't expect to receive anything from God. But I believe all of us should expect to receive something from God tonight because he wants to give us wisdom, both the panel as we seek to answer some of these questions and then each of us that are here uh, to, to, to ask the question. So without further ado, I want to invite the panel up. Would you guys come up, Josh and Katie Walters and Lisa Surratt? Y'all give them a hand as they come. So Josh is a teaching pastor here with us at Seacoast, and you've heard him before if you've been here for a while. And his wife, Katie, uh, is actually his better half for sure. She has a degree in counseling. And uh, she is, serves on our staff as well, uh, heading up our encouragers ministry, which is sort of our counseling ministry here at the church. And then my lovely wife, Lisa, has put up with me for 12 years. And so she's got a lot <laughs> of uh, wisdom that she's gained in this. This isn't a panel of experts on marriage or dating or singleness. This is a panel of pastors and, and their wives. And we're just looking forward to seeing what, what happens. So are you guys yeah. ready? I have a question for you, though. Yeah. What was Spurrier thinking today? Oh, gosh. Like, Sorry, we'll go on. So painful. It's a great opportunity for us, to, so. for us to practice how we respond to questions that would bring about emotion in us that <laughs> That's right. we don't know how to handle. Let's That's right. Let's, let's jump in. Let's <laughs> jump into your questions and uh, see where God takes us. So how do you keep falling in love? We all change from the person we were when we were first married. Amen. How many of you are thankful that you, you changed from the person that you were when you were first married? <laughs> Me. Seen a lot more ladies' hands go up. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Thankful that your man has changed. I'll tell you what, when Katie and I first, uh, first started dating and were engaged and married, our, our love for one another was ridiculously fun and mm. flirty, you know, almost contagious. But I'll say that it was, it was void of any, like, struggle, responsibility, or children. <laughs> we lived in this, like, love bubble uh, that just was not, was not reality. And when I think about this question, you know, uh, a passage all of us know, uh, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave. When he looked at man and saw our condition, the condition of marriage, of, of parenting, uh, the condition mm-hmm. of our, our lives as singles, it was so far from his initial plan, yet he made a choice to love. And, and reading this question, I know part of it is, is addressing the emotion of love. You know, when you first fell in love and there was this stuff going on externally, there's endorphins, all this stuff going on inside to where you're almost infatuated and can't stop thinking about this person. But, you know, as time goes by and the newness wears off, initially you've made a decision to love, but it's almost subconscious. You know, you Mm. don't have to convince yourself to do it. But as time goes on, you've got to make a decision to love and kind of, you know, in obedience to serving and loving your spouse, allow those feelings to come about that way. I think about a lot of, there's a lot of couples, not only here at this campus, but at each of our campuses that model this. One of which that come to mind is Vern and Migsy uh, Jensen. They're in their <laughs> 80s. I think we got a picture of them in case. There they are. Aww. Everybody say, oh. Just sweet. That was, You didn't go, oh. Everybody, <laughs> one more time, say, oh. That's right. They're in their 80s. And uh, they do a lot to keep their love alive, those emotions fresh, some of which probably aren't appropriate to say from a stage. <laughs> but one thing that they do that I love is they swim together a few times a week. And I don't know if you're much of a swimmer. I, I really can't swim at all. Um, but they do several times a week. And there's eight or ten lanes, you know, in a swimming pool. They would each have their own space. But they choose to swim in the same lane. And the reason for that is so that when they pass each other, so that, that Vern can pat her bottom 
I'm just saying. Wow. <laughs> I'm just saying. Wow. You want to keep the feelings alive, you know. Look at your spouse the way they, that you did, uh, you know, in a bathing suit when you first got together. Choose to swim in the same lane and pat their bottom. There you go. Yeah. I don't by. know that I can add a lot to that. Okay. That's, Wisdom that's from the pros. strong stuff. <laughs> I'll never forget yeah. being at a marriage retreat where Pastor Vern and Migsy shared that they shower together every single day, and I'm sorry for that. I didn't want to hear that either, but I did. And, but, but I would guess that in doing so, you're going to keep the, the love alive, even that's accidentally good, sometimes. That's a good so. guide for the rest of this message, that some things can't be unheard. And that's so, true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Let's move on. There's probably more we can say there. How long should you know someone before you start to date? And I thought this was one question each. Someone's gone, gone for two. That's all right. And should Christians only date other Christians? Let's tackle it first question first. How long should you know someone before you start to date? Katie, you have any thoughts on that? Yes, I would say 14 months, two According days. To scripture. <laughs> According to scripture. No, I mean, here at the church, a, a lot of the pastors say a year, and I know my mom always told me growing up that you should date someone for four seasons to kind of see them in each season. And, and I just love thinking about the purpose of dating being to discover somebody's character and so to me, you want to find out about that character in lots of different environments and their family with their friends and hmm. um, just to, you know, give enough time to seek God and to be able to see that person in different situations. So I'd say, you know, it's an individual basis, no set role, but four seasons. Four um, seasons before you marry somebody. Yeah. Right. And then before you start to date, I would, I would just say, um, you know, like, like Katie said, learn their character. I was not the same person when we first met. I was the very best version of myself uh, for the first several months that I was with Lisa. And then, of course, the real you me would kind of come out. You said you were the very, very best version of yourself? We're always the best version of ourselves <laughs> at first, right? So, so we, we are looking good. We're opening the door. We're buying flowers, all that stuff. We, we got our game on. And so we, we, right. we're, we're on the prowl. We got a, a mission in mind. And so um, be with someone long enough to get past that we're stuff. So. The um, the question about should Christians only date other Christians? Uh, interesting question because chances are whoever asked that question uh, maybe is dating somebody or even possibly engaged to somebody. And, and in fact, the Bible does speak to that question uh, pretty clearly, I would say. In 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, um, it says that we should not be unequally yoked. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness. And uh, some of us, I mean, that's hard to hear. What, what, what does that mean, be unequally yoked? And the, the picture that they were giving us, this was obviously a, a farming environment, and it, was, it would be two oxen. There'd be a double yoke. You'd have two oxen that are pushing that yoke together to get the work done. And I think of my marriage as us kind of in our life's mission, what God's called us to do together, uh, working together, especially spiritually, that we'd be yoked together. And if one oxen isn't going anywhere spiritually and the other one is, then you, you're basically going to go in circles spiritually. And so um, the answer to that, I would say, is, is, is no, biblically, but then also practically. Um, because if the most important thing, and we, all, we always talk at church about how we want, we want God to be first in our life, right? We, we want to learn to continually be putting God first place in our life. And it's going to be very difficult to do that on a day-in and day-out basis if you're with somebody who doesn't also share that, who doesn't spur you on uh, towards love and good deeds, so... Absolutely. And I yeah. think, honestly, when you're dating, you just have to remember, especially as women, you know, you are, if, if you are going to live a life that honors God in your marriage, um, you are choosing 
the man who's going to be the head of your house. And yeah. that is so important to, to pay attention to. Um, if he is not following after God hard, I mean, those feelings of love are going to come and go. Um, but, but honestly, knowing that uh, you can trust the decisions he's going to make for your family, that he's seeking God um, with, his, with his life um, is really, it's so key. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen and a lot of heartache um, with un, unequally yoked. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't mean you're better than them. Don't hear that wrong. Like as yeah. believers, we're all Absolutely. sinners. We're all, but, but you're, not, you're not on the same page. And so think about how that plays into to raising your kids together and the, the mixed messages that, that will come at that, that point. So I was about to say going back to our question, but we went back to Vernon Mixey, so it was a little... Uh, <laughs> did we go back to Vernon Mixey? We, did. Okay. we did. It's a great picture, but if we could keep going forward, that would just kidding. <laughs> so with this, uh, going back to this question, Lisa, I feel like you nailed it in some ways. I mean, time obviously is a good deal, but until you can answer that question, you know, yeah. if, if the purpose of dating is to find a lifelong mate, whether it's six months, which we've met solid couples that have been married for 40 years that got married super quick, or six years, until you can answer, you know, I could see That's this good. person mm-hmm. walking alongside of me, being a leader in my home, whatever it is, then. That's good. Good stuff. Let's go on. Next question. How do I get my husband to want to join me at church? I hate going alone. I love the honesty in that question. And there's a picture of obviously someone who is married to someone who's unequally yoked. And let me just state for clarity, uh, if you're married, that covenant supersedes any other of those principles. You you are to to stay in that marriage. You are to honor. And the Bible does speak to this. But um, I wanted, this is a question that came in ahead of time. And we asked Pastor Sam and Joan Lesky, who lead our Dream Center uh, at North Charleston, to answer it because they've walked through this exact scenario. So let's take a look at what Sam and Joan have to say about that. Well, we moved here to Charleston when my kids were young, and I had no family, no friends, and I met this woman on the playground. I call she, her, the woman we met on the playground, I call her the crazy lady, because she was just too happy. She was not and too, <laughs> and too full of joy. She was, she befriended me. She, um, after a while, she invited me to a Bible study and they had childcare. And so I'm thinking, I could learn a little bit about God. I grew up Catholic. And so anyway, I go to this small group and um, it's on how to be a good wife. And at this point, I am not the best wife. I wasn't that nice. And so anyway, um, so I started implementing some things. Um, I started um, having dinner on the table. I started his, having slippers by the door. And, and he'd look at me like I was crazy. But I was being nice and patient with my kids. So the crazy lady from Seacoast was rubbing <laughs> off on her, uh, taking her to Bible study, teaching her to pray, teaching her to read the Bible. Uh, and teaching her have a, how to have a godly attitude. Um, and so finally I asked him to go to church and um, that was not an easy task. And so he went once and then... <laughs> I seen the change in my wife and I knew okay. that obviously what Seacoast was doing and what church was doing and what God was doing in my wife's life was major and it was a great thing. It was great to see the joy in our house, the joy in our kids. Uh, so I knew that I had to come along and, and see where this was coming from. Uh, and it was not an easy task. It was hard. He was tough. And so, but I kept being consistent with him. I kept just trying to, I pray and I wouldn't look, I look, wouldn't watch the soap operas. I just pray to God. And so anyway, I just, um, and God answered my prayers, but it did take a process. It was a process. 
So I encourage you, you know, ladies out there who, who need to get your husbands to church, I just encourage you, you know, to, to pray, to read the Word, and to just live it out at home. Live it out before your husband. And, and I don't mean for a week or, or two weeks, but be consistent and just live it out. Go above and beyond. If, if you want drastic change, then take drastic measures. And uh, I'm so thankful for Joan for, for taking those drastic measures, for making that change, uh, and for leading our family in a walk with God. Uh, where we could be a part of a great church and great small groups and uh, just continue to serve God. That's great. That's great. And I think whether it's, whether it's an unbelieving husband or, or another, a co-worker or somebody, it's just great biblical principles. But the Bible does speak to, uh, to that specific verse and basically sums up what Sam and Jones said. You want to read it, babe? Sure. First Peter 3, 1 through 2. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. That's good. So just live a godly, pure, and reverent life and put the slippers at the door. And <laughs> <laughs> Hey, listen, I'll tell you what else. Hearing their story and just watching them on the video, I think it applies to, to this question and also our first question about kind of finding that, that spark that you once had. You just can't do it alone, you know? So whether it's finding a Vernon Migsey or a Joan and Sam, it's one of the important reasons for community mm -hmm. in the church. You need people that have walked through whatever season that you're going in that you can say, how did you do it? You know, yeah. where is there wisdom there that you can, you can walk in? So That's great. That's good. good stuff. Let's move on. Next question. As I pray for a godly husband, how do I know that God has one for me? What if he wants me to be single? What if I don't want to be single? <laughs> wow. Did she yeah. text in a picture? We might be able to help solve that this service. If we could, uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's, it's interesting reading that question. You know, sometimes we think of God as this, you know, God in the sky that has this plan for our life that's diametrically opposed to all of our desires. And yeah. I, I think about the verse, I think it was in Psalms, and I don't have it off the top of my head, but... Where, where David said that if, if I will submit my life to God, he's, if I, he, he will give me the desires of my heart. And I think that happens in a couple of different ways. One, I think he does give us the desires of our heart. Like if God has really hardwired you to be uh, married, then I believe that he will, he will give you that desire of your heart. But then also as we seek him first, as we really yield our lives to him, often he will change our desires. And so I don't have the answer I couldn't say for you, because I don't know who you are, if God wants you to be single, but I would say that if your heart's desire is, is to be married, then chances are he may have that for you. But um, I think about the scripture in Matthew 6, it says, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all other things will be added unto you. And so I, I think that where we get off track in this uh, as, as single adults and even as married adults is that we, we begin to allow our heart's desire, like we seek first finding a spouse, we seek first validation of a spouse, we seek first the approval of man, and, and that's not the order that God puts it in. And so I would just encourage you, uh, all of us that are in that situation, kind of in a waiting place, that while you're in a waiting place, that you would just seek him, hmm. seek him first, mm -hmm. and that he would give you the desires of your hearts, and he would add everything that you need. And if that need is a, a partner uh, to, to do life with, then I believe that he's going to add that to you. So um, anything you guys want to add to that or? I would say also that just that longing, you know, that this person has just, um, I feel like that is supposed to be used to sharpen us all because there will be a marriage one day, you know, to us with the Lord. And 
Um, I don't know, it even says in Isaiah 54, it says, um, for your maker is your husband, the Lord Almighty is his name, the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. And I just think about that, you know, one of my best friends is single and she sharpens me so much in marriage because that longing that she has is also the longing that I'm supposed to have. You know, this, we're all supposed to be longing for the day where we are united to him, you know, and so I just... I don't know, I would just say for her to be able to use that or him to sharpen the body in that way. I would, this is a woman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hope there ain't no dudes in here oh, praying for a godly husband. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> so that woman. We may address we'll that in a future that. question. We'll see. Moving, yeah. moving right along. Move let's, <laughs> let's keep moving. <laughs> My wife and I were married by a justice of the peace. Biblically, should we be remarried in the church? There you have it. Man, I would say for that that uh, the, the church and the family are the two institutions established by God. And so whether you're married by a pastor or a justice of the peace, uh, you know, it, it is God who owns the copyright on marriage and pronounces you as married. Now, maybe in your journey, if you were married by a justice of the peace because you weren't a believer at the time, or even if, you know, Katie and I have only been married, we're about to head into our 12th year and we've already renewed our vows one time, I would say that, that marriage is sacred and you should treat it as sacred. And so uh, I think your, your marriage is valid, uh, having been done by a justice of the peace because it's an institution established by God. But if you would like to, just for formality's sake, or, uh, you know, we've had people call us to their home when they're buying a new home to pray a blessing over it, or if you would just like to walk through that process of having a pastor renew your vows, and I'd say absolutely, but yeah. I don't, biblically, I don't, there's nothing that would say that you need to do that, so. it's good. Anything to add? Moving them right along. Despite more than 15 years as a Christian, my husband will not lead us spiritually. What should I do? Hmm. You know, this, this question uh, is one that was texted in tonight, uh, so we weren't prepared ahead of time, but it, I think it speaks to, Lisa and I did a breakout session last weekend at our marriage conference about uh, the passive husband uh, and the controlling wife, and we talked about the story of Ahab and Jezebel, but I, I think that uh, what should I do, that, obviously this is coming from a woman, um, I, I think that what you shouldn't do is try to take control. Uh, and try to, t tr try to step into a role that you haven't been called to uh, as the head or as the leader. I think that you can encourage from the second chair, if you will. You, you can definitely encourage, pray for your husband. Um, and I think communication, too, uh, like to begin to talk about that. I can tell you this as a man. Um, the idea of leading my family spiritually for a long time was very, very scary. Like it's, it's one of those things. I don't know if I've got what it takes. I'm not sure what that means. I'm not sure how to, how to do it well. And so I would say mm. to, to the women in the room, encourage your husband in the little steps of progress that he makes. Uh, if he prays for you, just because it didn't sound like it came out of the Bible. Uh, if, if, if it, I remember having a couple in my uh, counseling with us and, and they were struggling. And that was one of the issues was we really want to be uh, in, a, in a position where my husband's leading me spiritually. And so I encourage them as a baby step to go pray uh, together. Like just between now and the time we get back, I want you to the man to pray for your wife. Um, and so he came back to me uh, several months later and he was alone. Um, and I said, hey man, what, what's going on? And he, they, they were not doing well. And I said, what, what, what's the deal? Did you do my homework that I gave you? He said, I did. And it went terrible. And I said, what do you mean it went terrible? He said, well, I was praying for her and I just got stumbled over my words and it was awkward and it was weird. And she was like, you call that a prayer? 
And, and it broke my heart really for this guy because what she should have done is laid a huge kiss on him for about 30, 45 minutes, if you know yeah. what I'm saying. And 30 it, or 45 minutes. That's right, that's right. And encourage. Long kiss. For those of you taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> encourage that behavior because, you know, we're all in process, we're all in a journey. And so to, to really yeah. encourage the little steps. None of us change because someone pointed a finger at us and said, you don't have what it takes or why don't you, you know, we, we change because, yes, truth, but bring grace there too. Uh, as a wife, and I'll let, if, if either of the women want to speak to that, or Josh, you know, if you have more to add to it. Yeah, I'll let the ladies go first. You got anything? Well, I mean, I've, I've heard this question a lot from just girlfriends or other women, and part of what I would say to encourage women is that, you know, our intimacy with the Lord looks different oftentimes than our husbands, and so, you know, not to say lower your expectation, expectations, but to not expect them to interact with the Lord as you do, you know, and so... To, to look at those little things, celebrate the little things as spiritual leadership, and just to realize that even your passion and connection with God in a lot of ways can be connected to him and his relationship with the Lord that doesn't have to be like, honey, did you sit down and have a quiet time? Just because God honors the head, I mean, yeah. of the house. So Yeah. What, uh, the passage that came to mind for me actually speaks to, uh, speaks to divorce, but I think the principle in it applies here. It says, and if a woman has a husband who is not, belie- not a believer, so whether that's a Christian by name or not following God or maybe not a believer, and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him, for the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife. And so just to encourage you, if you have a, a spouse that is, is not a believer, is not leading in your home, is not acting out their faith, it's part of the beauty of the covenant. That passage goes on to say, husband sanctifies wife and wife sanctifies husband. That word sanctifies Mean, meaning the, the process of being made holy. So just by living in oneness with you, in proximity to you, God uses you to sharpen your spouse regardless of, yeah. their, of their seat or position in leading your home. So I would say continue to function in the role that God's placed you in, serving and loving and sacrificing, modeling uh, the Father's heart. That's great. Them there. That's great. And we'll move on. One more thought, though. He needs to know you believe in him. Mm-hmm. So yeah. as men, we are insecure. I mean, we are the first thing that God made that he went, uh, not very good. Like everything else was great, but he made us men and it's like, uh, not good for man to be alone. Let me fix this and bring along a helpmate. And so I would just encourage you, let your man know that you believe in him. Let him, he needs, he needs your encouragement. Your words of encouragement can, can build him up. And of course, men, we got to reciprocate that. And I'm not trying to let this guy off the hook, but I'm saying that uh, the more you believe in him, the more you express those words of encouragement to him, the more confidence he's going to have in taking that, that role of leadership. So yeah. let's keep moving. I know sex before marriage is wrong, but is it wrong to do anything else? No, you can like go bowling, catch a movie. <laughs> There's fine. lots of stuff you can yeah. do. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> go to the park. Oh, wow. I think to... Um, That'll do it. I think to like youth camp, you, you, I had a youth pastor that taught us the, the baseball diamond. You know what I'm talking about? Like first yeah. base would be, if you're Baptist, first base might be holding hands. If you're more progressive church, first base might be kissing oh, or something further on the line. <laughs> I still haven't figured out the heavy petting though. I mean, that's still just, just weird. <laughs> you know, that was, I think, second base or somewhere around there. And here's what I would say, here, here's what I would say about that. Sorry about that. So... Carrying on the baseball diamond illustration, I could get in trouble for this, but when I go up to the, the plate, 
I'm not in it to, to hit a single or a double. I'm in it to, to, to win, if you know what I mean. Like, like it's, it's on baseball. It's on baseball. So here's my caution. Here's, here's my caution. If you're dating, if you're engaged, this was not a process that was meant to be stopped at third base, if you will. Uh, by the time you get there, the coach's signs are going stop, and you're ignoring them, and you're running right through it. And so it wasn't a pro- God made sex. Sex is amazing. It's, it's a gift that God has given us. And it wasn't made to get like three quarters of the way there and then stop. And so all I'm saying is when you're living in that environment and you're trying to set boundaries, I can remember when we were dating, feeling at times like you've got one foot on the gas pedal and one foot on the brakes and trying to figure out what, you know, uh, how are we going to do this? And it was a huge, huge struggle because I hope that there's chemistry. I hope that there's attraction. If you're dating somebody, you ought to be physically attracted to them. That's not a bad thing. That's, God gave you that. And so we've got to learn how to handle that. And I know it was not easy in our, our no, marriage. No, it wasn't. And, I, you know, I think, honestly, like, God will so bless you. He, he gives us this, this book for a reason. It's like, you know, if you want to know how to do life well, follow the book. And so mm-hmm. if we play by the rules in dating and we really go hard after what God has, he's going to totally bless your, your sex life and marriage um, if you honor him. And so I think um, you have to ask the question, you know, well, do we draw the, the boundary here or do we, do we draw it here? And, you know, uh, we were engaged for 17 months uh, because we got engaged pretty young. And um, I remember us just struggling with this. And um, constantly we would just place a boundary and then break the boundary. And then, you know, we just were not really driving each other uh, closer to God. We were really just dealing with all this torment of um, sin, really. And so I remember us having to, um, honestly, like, I, I actually met a couple that had decided that they were totally committed to sexual purity, and they decided not to kiss. And I was like, whoa, that is not for me. Um, <laughs> me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> but I honestly, like... I remember I w- her telling me that. I'm like, uh, good for them. Thank God. And <laughs> Well, and that's the truth. I, I actually went to bed that night thinking, like, that was actually a really cool couple. They were normal. They weren't like, you know, I won't go there. But, um, but I just remember um, laying in bed that night and feeling like God said, I want you to do that. And I thought, there is no way. There's no way. And he said, but I don't want you to lead in it. And so from that point forward, I started just praying, okay, God, if this is something that you are calling us to do, mm-hmm. have him lead in it. To which I thought, well, that'll never happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I did. I started praying that. And um, I came home, told him about the couple, didn't say anything about us doing that. He, his response was just that, well, that's not for us. And I went, okay, don't have to worry about that anymore. Two months later, I will never forget, it was a first Wednesday and we were on our way to church, and out of the clear blue sky, he said, I cannot stop thinking about this, but I really feel like we need to stop kissing until we get married. And I was like, what? I thought, I'll I, tell thought you what we she not, I thought she we were not, I thought I was off the hook. She said, can we start tomorrow? I did. It's hilarious. But, but, and so we did for nine months, and it wasn't because we had, the, we were holier than thou, it was because we were struggling, and we, we wanted to, we just wanted to honor God in this, this part of our lives, and it was very, very yeah. difficult. And so the, the Bible verse that I would point you to is, is where the scripture says, 
that we're supposed to flee from sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. Sex before marriage is sexual immorality. We, we're supposed to flee. We're supposed to run away from it. We need to run towards purity. And so the question that I would really challenge you with is, are you running towards sexual immorality? In other words, are you trying to set a boundary? Like most of the time when we say, is it wrong for me to do this? It probably is. You know, whether it's biblical or whether it's the Lord speaking to you, it's probably not what he's called you to do. And so don't run so close to sexual morality like that you still feel okay about it um, because you're flirting with, with danger. And so run towards purity, you know, do whatever it takes. Like for us, it's very hard, but I believe God's blessed us both physically, sex life, marriage at all, because we developed a discipline uh, early on before we were married that, that I think was good for us. We learned some self-control mm-hmm. and it was a positive thing. So. Which explains your counsel on kissing for 30 or 45 minutes a few minutes ago. <laughs> That's for the married You didn't people. kiss for that <laughs> long for the beforehand. <laughs> That's right. That's There's right. There's two, two things that I would add there that I, that I knew or know from y'all's story <clears throat> and even in ours is that the in aspects of, of purity uh, in a dating relationship, you know, this is an area where if we're called we're called apart, set apart, called to look different, and the majority of the world is playing this same dating game uh, that we are, this is a huge opportunity for us to look different, to be different in a way that the world is looking. Well, Josh yeah. and Katie say they're Christians. How are they, how are they handling, handling this? And for us, man, it was one that we constantly had to reevaluate. You know, it started off as we're laying down watching a movie, and it's like, man, we can't kiss while we're laying down. Then it went to, man, we can't lay down together. Then it was like, we cannot kiss, you know, it's like the, the boundary for purity's sake, you don't just land on the, hey, we're not going to kiss anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But in hearing you say that, I thought about First Timothy 4.12, it says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for believers in speech and life and love and faith and impurity. So, and whatever boundaries yeah. you set, you know, it was just good guidance for us of, are we setting an example? Is whatever our boundaries are, boundaries that we would feel comfortable asking a high schooler or a college student, you know, that they could walk out in a relationship and experience purity as yeah. well. So mm-hmm. That's good. And let's not be legalistic about it. You know, yeah. that's, again, the Bible doesn't say this is the line. And so mm-hmm. pray, seek God, but run towards purity and, you know, good. set those boundaries. So let's move on. I want to know if God will bless a relationship if a couple not married has sinned together physically. I know waiting is the best, but if we made a mistake, will God not bless us being together? That's such a great question. What I love, what I love about that is just, uh, I want to know if God will bless a relationship, is that there's no sin that you could commit, you know, physically and, and through the eyes of God looking at your behavior, whether it's a phys- physical sexual sin or lying or cheating, there's nothing that you could do to separate you from his love, no sin that you could commit that he wouldn't forgive you for. And not only that, you know, you think about uh, David, the adulterer, and repenting of his sin, God looked at him as David, a man after God's own heart. Or Peter, uh, the one who denied Christ, was Peter, one of the cornerstones on whom I'll build my church. So not only will he forgive you, but he will so far separate you from your sin that he, yep. would, he would look at you as yeah. his son and daughter. All you have to do is, is turn to him. You know, every, every day is a new day. So if you've Live this out physically in impurity up till today. Well, tomorrow's a new day, you know, and his mercies are made new every day. We just got to gotta turn to him. So good. Yeah, I would just say I love the posture of the question is wanting his blessing, you know, and mm-hmm. that takes obedience. And it says in Acts 3 to repent and your sins will be washed away in times of refreshment of the Lord will come upon you. And yeah. I just think about that has been so true in the story of our life. You know, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to fail 
but that his word is true in that. I mean, if we'll repent, not only will he wash those sins away, but then he just pours out refreshment and blessing. And so, yeah, I love that question. Awesome. Good answer. I have nothing to add to that. Let's move to the next question. How do you restore trust in a marriage once it's been broken? You know, I, I love that question because I, I would say that whether you, if you're married long enough, there's probably going to be a trust that's broken. Uh, that yeah. uh, immediately we jump to adultery or an affair or whatever. But I mean, whether it's a big trust like that or whether it's kind of keeping some things from one another financially, uh, you know, spending some of the money that was set aside for savings or whatever on shoes, you know, not that that's ever <laughs> happened in, uh, in our, a, our relationship. Do you have a testimony to offer there? <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I, I think this, this question, I, we'll just go there, okay? Uh, so this, this was us 10 years ago, uh, two years into our marriage. We've been married for 12 years. It was uh, about 10 years ago. Um, I, I got saved when I was 18, 19 years old, and we got married when I was, I think, 21, and so this would have been when I was about 23 years old. Um, I, had a, I had an addic- addiction to pornography that I had not told Lisa about. Uh, we had kind of danced around. Uh, lust. We talked about, oh yeah, everyone deals with that, but I never really, it was the one area of my life that I never, I never trusted her with. And so I'll never forget the day that she found it. Um, I didn't, I, I didn't confess it. I didn't, she found it. And it, I might as well have cheated. In fact, Jesus said that if we lust with our eyes, we've committed adultery already in our heart. And so I believe that in, in some ways that that had happened. And so talk about our trust just being broken. Um, I mean, that was definitely the, the deepest valley that we've been, been through in our marriage. And so uh, as it became confronted and as we kind of dealt with it, I would say a couple of principles, and I won't get into a whole lot of details of our story, but one would be um, whoever the offending party is, you, you've got to repent. I mean, you've got to bring full repentance. And so when that, that went down, like it took a while, but I had to fully repent of everything that I'd done. I had to come clean with her. And really it boiled down to a trust issue that I had with her. Could I trust Lisa and in saying this to the church, could I trust my fellow believers with the darkest parts of my life? Mm-hmm. Like, like, okay, she's seen the best version of me in the first six months. Mm-hmm. And, but, but really, here's the part I wasn't proud of. I wasn't talking to anybody about this. I wasn't talking mm-hmm. to my men's group about it. I wasn't talking to anybody. And so it came down to me going, you know what? This is it. This is a struggle that I've had, and, and, and it's out there. And, and then secondly, like, we had to have some help. We couldn't get through that alone. Uh, I can remember one night... Uh, w- early on, we, we were just, you know, fighting about it, crying about it, struggling over it. And I remember at six o'clock in the morning, calling one of our pastors and saying, we need to come over like now and talk. And he mm-hmm. said, come on over. And we spent a whole morning and an afternoon um, just processing. And so, so confession and repentance, the Bible says that you're not going to be free from your sin until you, you confess it. Like that's key and to healing and to repentance mm-hmm. is bringing it out there and then bringing a, a community around you mm-hmm. to help you walk through that. Because those things, there are certain things that we're going to go through in our marriage that, um, especially me as a man, when that went down, I don't want, want her telling anybody. I mean, we had the conversation mm-hmm. we had for a couple weeks was, I need you to protect me here, babe. I need you to, you know, I don't want this to get out there. But that was baloney. That's the enemy. The enemy wants us to just, we'll, we'll fix this on our own. That's not yeah. true. You can't mm-hmm. fix it on your own. You need community. You need help. And so that was huge. And then just from your standpoint, like restoring trust, um, it took some time. It did. It did not happen overnight. And um, I do, 
I do remember just feeling like, okay, I do not feel like I can trust him. Like, I don't feel that at all. Um, but I had to make a conscious choice that mm -hmm. I am going to trust him. And I'm going to start build the building blocks to rebuilding our trust. And I, um, you know, honestly, it was as broken as we have ever been, without a doubt. But I knew... Um, that he was, he was taking the steps that he needed um, by getting accountability, uh, real accountability. Uh, I'll never forget Pastor Michael and, um, you know, they walked through this with us and mm -hmm. knowing that um, he was going to call him every day and talk to him about it. It took the pressure off of me to not feel like I had to be constantly checking or looking or is there anything else hidden? Am I, am I going to run across something else? You know, and yeah. and also the other the other thing that I just remember, um, just our wise counsel telling us is, you know, for him that you had to be okay whether it was two weeks, two years, or ten years from now. If she asks you, and she's struggling with that, not knowing whether you're struggling with it or not, you have to be okay with me asking yeah. because it's part of building the trust again. Yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah, for the offending party, there's, whether it was an affair, a pornography issue, a financial issue, there's got to be open book, open passwords, mm -hmm. open cell phones, open everything, you know, so that's, that's the bottom line. And I would just say time and obedience yeah. is what's going to lead to trust. And I'll never forget uh, a couple years after that, maybe a year and a half after that, and, you know, like it would get better and better and better, but there was still this mistrust. I mean, it was there. We could sense it. And it was another first Wednesday. I guess go to first Wednesday is a big deal because God does <laughs> cool things there. But, but I remember God kind of speaking to Lisa and saying, it's time to let go of this. Mm -hmm. And I remember that night, it's, it was cheesy, but I think it was important because we went home and literally went in our backyard and I dug a shovel. I took a shovel out and dug a hole in the ground. And she wrote, I think, mistrust. And there were a few other things that you were dealing with, anxiety, whatever yeah. it might have been. And we literally stuck them in the, in the ground and we, we buried them and, mm. and we moved on. And um, and so, I've, and I've, sometimes you need something tangible that marks a cornerstone in your marriage that you say, you know what, here is the struggle that we're living through. We're tormented over the enemy is happy that we're distracted in this mess. But when we can just say, you know what, God, I'm just going to give it all to you. Mm -hmm. You continue doing the accountability that you need to do and walk the steps that you're going to do. And I'm going to choose consciously to make this decision and to consciously turn from this and go after, okay, God, how are you going to restore? And what are you going to do through us um, in our marriage? That's great. Yeah. And God is, I mean, I, I, one of the questions that came in um, during the, the ones that came in on the Facebook page or whatever was, had something to do with the way that I looked at Lisa. They, they said, it was, I think, a single woman said, I really want to find someone that would look at me the same mm -hmm. way. And I, I see the love that they have for each other. And I would just encourage you, for us, for Josh and Katie, for any couple that you see up here, you don't get, and, and we're not perfect. Gosh, we're not perfect. Mm -hmm. we, we fight, we struggle. But you don't, you don't develop that kind of depth and a lo love for one another unless you've gone through some valleys. Mm -hmm. And it's in those valleys that you learn that you're committed to each other, that you learn that you're willing to overcome anything that would come into your marriage, that if you would work on those problems together, that you could do it, that you, you kind of uh, get whole and healthy for those mountaintop experiences that God has for you. And so... And honestly, uh, I, like, I can't, it's sort of hard for me to even hear myself say this, but I would go through those valleys again in a skinny minute 
um, to bring us to the, where we are today and how much we've grown in our marriage and how much God has restored mm-hmm. us and brought new life out of it. It's cool. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, I think we're done on the panel. We're at uh, 40-some minutes. I was hoping to answer a few more questions. But would you thank the panel for being with us and uh, sharing their... Just a couple of thoughts as we wrap up. Um, You know, I want to kind of close out with a couple of thoughts, whether you're single, whether you're in marriage, whether some stuff has kind of come up that's, that's... challenging that's been difficult for you the first thought that I want everyone here to leave with is that God loves you desperately he really really does he 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 loves you so much and and he needs to be the source of our love uh we've been in a place even in Lisa and I shared our story I think one of the big learnings that she had is that I was on a pedestal in some ways I was I was her God I was her stability I was her security and and it wasn't healthy to have any any person other than the Lord as your source of your love then you're going to be disappointed. And so just know that he loves you desperately, that his love is perfect, it's unfailing, he's not going to let you down, he's never gonna violate your trust. He says he'll be with us, he'll always be there for us, he'll never leave us or forsake us. So know that. Uh, Know also that blessing follows obedience. Blessing follows obedience. You know, when we fail, typically it's because we didn't follow God's original model. And so again, going back to the very first scripture that we read in James, and even thinking about, I was thinking about the uh, King Josiah back in, in uh, Old Testament, one of the kings, uh, says that he was leading the best that he could, and the word of the Lord had been missing for a long time. The scrolls had been missing, and they were found, and a priest read that word of the Lord to King Josiah, and, and it says that he tore his clothes, and he began to mourn because he realized that his life was not lined up with God's word. And so I would just encourage you, if there's an area maybe of brokenness, of, of challenge, it may be because we're not operating in God's blessing because we're not living in obedience. And so maybe there have been some challenging things that have come up, and I would just encourage you, are you going to have ears to hear what you want to hear? Are you willing to really yield and submit your life to the authority of the Bible and the authority of God? And the third thought would be that there's grace for us when we mess up. I mean, that's the story of Seacoast, that's the story of your pastors, that's the story of, of all of us, that's the gospel. So we've all fallen short. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. In relationships, some of us are in a marriage right now, and, and, and we've made mistakes. We've violated trust. We, we, we've done things that we shouldn't have done. And, and just know that God, that, that's, that's why we need Jesus. That's why we need grace, because all of us are going to fall short. So don't, don't get discouraged because of your, your past faults. Instead, look ahead at what God, not what he's bringing you through right now, but what he's bringing you to, and that's wholeness in relationship with him. Let's pray as we close. God, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to have a panel discussion, to just kind of deal with some questions. I thank you for, Lord, the heart and the questions that have come up. Lord, the heart to serve you, to know you, to follow you. And God, for every one of us, I pray wherever we're at, that we would just be able to hear clearly from you today. What are you saying to us, and how are you leading us to respond? We wanna honor you in our relationships, God. We want our marriages to be reflections of you. We want the people, Lord, in the world that see us to see a picture of you, the way that you laid down your life for your church by the way that we treat each other. Lord, in our singleness, we wanna honor you. Lord, we wanna live in in the season of life that we're in, Lord, fully embracing everything that you have for us, not rushing to the next. So God, I just pray that you would speak clearly in Jesus' name.